immersive audio podcast. In conversations with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. This episode is sponsored by HHB Communications, the UK's leader in pro audio technology. For years, HHB has been delivering the latest and most innovative pro audio solutions to the world's top recording studios, post facilities, and broadcasters. The team at HHB provide best-in-class consultation, installation, training, and technical support to customers who want to build or upgrade their studio environment for immersive audio workflow. To find out more or book a demo at their HQ facility, visit hhb.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, episode 96, with me, your host, Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. Hi, Monica. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Oliver? I'm doing great. As we promised, we wanted to run through some updates and news. There's only one place to start. The last few weeks were completely dominated by Apple's Vision Pro related news. It all kicked off uh, with Tim Cook's tweet announcing that February the 2nd is the availability date when people can go ahead and purchase the device, although in the US only for the time being. This obviously completely overshadowed news such as Sony revealing their own standalone mixed reality headset with 4K OLED displays and unique controllers, as well as the new Qualcomm Mixed Reality Reference headset. Uh, feels like others trying to play a catch-up game to some degree. So it'll be interesting to see what else comes out in the coming months from other big tech companies. But it's evident that Vision Pro is going to come in into industry in a big way. Also, uh, Wi-Fi Certified 7 has been announced, along with some new power features such as multi-link operation, MLO, and simultaneous transmission and reception, STR, promising to deliver near zero latency for VR. I'm quoting, conceivably, a wireless VR headset could receive a high throughput video stream on the 6 gigahertz band while simultaneously transmitting its own tracking information on the 5 gigahertz band to minimize the latency. That's quite interesting and exciting as well. On audio side, there's been a lot of news. Seems like a lot of software developers have announced newly updated plugins and, and some brand new things as well. So I'd like to start by giving a shout out to Alejandro Cabrera from Audio Brewers, who was on our podcast recently, who is still running promotion on recently released new version of the AB Imager AppScaler newly improved algorithms allows you to AppScale any ambisonic signal to up to seventh order ambisonics and other configurations. Alejandro did a cool demo on YouTube. Go and check that out as well. Dear Reality just released the new edition of DVR Pro plugin. So what's new there? Uh, they added stereo input option. You now can position stereo tracks and alter the stereo width. They extended multi-channel loudspeaker output options, now supporting 35 speaker formats from 5.1, 9.4, and so on. Also, a new 
OSC head tracking support is now available. Um, you can connect your OSC head tracker for third party and enable head tracking in DVR plugin. That's handy. So for me, last but not least, GPU audio made an announcement plugin uh, called Living Sky. I'm quoting a cutting edge spatial reverb that forges a new partnership between GPU audio, outer echo and mantra instruments. The plugin will harness the resources of your graphics card, as brand name suggests, which quite interestingly, uh, they claim that um, computationally it can do things that previously were not possible. So tech specs promises high project sample rate support up to 192 kilohertz, up to 264 inputs outputs, extended range of ultrasonic resolution, three-dimensional performable interface, up to fifth order ambisonics output. Wow, hundreds of simultaneous convolution channels powered by GPU. That sounds mouth-wateringly interesting. Can't wait to try that one, but uh, the software will be available later this year. Well, that's quite a few bits and pieces. Um, Monica, have you come across anything lately? Yeah, we also have, uh, just hot off the press, at McKee just announced a True Spatial, uh, which will be a set of audio plugins for Unity. Um, and that will kind of help to do uh, perceptually optimize HRTF-based spatial audio rendering, um, sound object uh, spatialization, ambisonics, soundscape rendering, and being able to kind of use just their really uh, high-efficiency signal processing and just high-quality um, algorithms that they are known for for doing binaural rendering within Unity itself. And so being able to just use plugins directly in Unity um, from Atmakey. I think that's really exciting. Obviously, we see news and developments time to time and we talk about it, but isn't it great just to see how much innovation is going on all around? People are still finding ways how to create novel technologies and improve the existing ones uh, for the industry. Yeah, it's been, I know both you and I have been in this industry for a long time, and I definitely remember when there weren't tools. So it's really fun to see all the different tools that are being created and that are able to be used in all these different softwares and programs and just allowing for uh, a much easier kind of input and in, you know getting into spatial audio and immersive audio and being able to do some really interesting artistic things with the tools that are now available. May long it continue. Our guest today, Anthony Hunt from Audio Lab, University of York. Having graduated from University of York back in 2021 with MSc degree in audio and music technology, Anthony joined the Audio Lab research team in October same year. He is currently undertaking a PhD program on virtual representation of performers in extended reality networked music performance, XRNMP under the supervision of Professor Gavin Kearney and Professor Helena Darfin. This project aims to better understand which bodily elements are essential to represent performer in XR and MP context and how it impacts their sense of social presence. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Oliver, and hi, Monica, and thank you very much for receiving me today. Whereabouts are you tuning in from? So right now I'm back in the south of France uh, in a city called Toulouse, where I'm originally from. 
And uh, yeah, it's quite nice weather at the moment. It's 17 degrees. Fantastic. Uh, and we've got Storm Isha powering through the UK as we speak. Um, Anthony, please tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into spatial audio and the whole extended reality topic. Uh, I started as doing a Bachelor of Sound Engineering in the University of the West of Scotland in Paisley. And I got the chance to look a bit at spatial audio in this sound engineering kind of training. I got really passionate about it. And especially due to the fact that I love technology since I'm a child and I got a chance to go to an AES conference that happened in York back in 2018. Um, I was really, really um, hyped about what was going on in this lab. And I saw there was an opportunity to do a master's degree. So I decided after my bachelor to go there. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I, I happened to arrive in, um, in the lab during COVID. So that was a bit difficult to meet all of the staff and all and take advantage of the equipment. But I still managed to kind of um, do great things around virtual reality and spatial audio. And then some PhD opportunities came up uh, around January of my MSc. And I decided to apply to, to fulfill one of my ambitions, which was to try and build virtual reality music experience. Um, and I think I wasn't the only, I thought at first I was the only one to believe in this kind of, uh, this kind of project, but it turned out that more people, um, uh, in the audio lab and also industrial partners were interested in building this kind of thing. And so I got the chance to actually do my PhD surrounded by brilliant people, honestly, and, uh, to explore, um, how we can actually integrate music experience in the metaverse. And that was part of a lot of the research we had with Gavin, Helena and Patrick and many other people. And yeah, that's how I landed up here. And then and since then being a PhD. Our hot topic today is avatar representation in extended reality for immersive network music performance. Anthony, the topic of today's conversation is precisely your field of research, um, which I just mentioned. What inspired you and motivated you to choose this area for your PhD? I believe when I integrated, uh, when I started my PhD at the Audio Lab, um, I first got the chance to choose my own subject and try to understand which were research areas that were not yet enough explored um, in in uh, in our in our lab. And during a research project that we had in partnership with the BBC. Um, I realized that uh, we had good resources and good um, knowledge of the audio part of Music Metaverse, but not so much about the visual. And I believe that letting the visual part away from, from the research will unfortunately impact the global experience of uh, music metaverse. So this is why after what we've done with the BBC, I decided to focus my research into improving, or at least trying to understand how to improve um, the avatars in virtual reality. And, um, and I thought this would be a great contribution to what we've been doing at the laboratory. So that's why I decided to focus on 
this visual part of an audio experience, let's say. And so you've already conducted a pilot study. Can you talk um, a bit more about how the study was designed and what the key aspects were that you wanted to explore in the process? This pilot was based on previous research that we've done with uh, our group, where we had four musicians all connected in real time in virtual reality conditions, all separated in different rooms. And the idea in this experiment was to reproduce what we've already done, but with improved avatars, let's say, and compare different conditions of avatar representation and evaluate their impact on the sense of social presence of participants. So this first pilot study uh, was back in January 2023, and the results uh, were interesting, to say. We found a lot of um, information outside of the avatar uh, because the whole experience in- integrated more components of, um, of virtual reality, such as um, the pass-through, for example, that allowed musicians to see the instruments uh, through virtual reality. So having a layer through the real world as um, we didn't have a way yet to represent uh, instruments in virtual reality. Um, This was another field of study. That's not something I could have explored. So in this pilot, the new, the main component that was new was the hand tracking. Already integrating this into the virtual reality experience really improved. I'm not sure if we will qualify the sense of social presence, but at least the user experience of the participants. They, they've been going through a post-experiment interview and giving us a lot of very interesting feedback, a lot of like positive reviews about their ability to actually move their hands, move their fingers, and even outside of performance, they they mentioned that they they appreciated their ability to interact, to joke, to move around, quote, as they were doing in real practice conditions. So that's what I think was important in this kind of research, is to demonstrate that as a general musical experience, we do need to focus not only on the audio side, even though it is very important, probably the most important, but also on the visual Music experience is something multimodal. If we if we don't integrate all the components, we're going to miss some part of the social aspect of playing together. What were the factors that cultivated a sense of immersion for the participants? Some part I think that is very important when we evaluated our systems with participants was the comfort of the virtual reality headsets. Um, in, in particular for like musicians like singers, where a lot of like their attention and an energy that they're trying to bring out for their performance is happening around their head. Uh, this can be very constraining um, for the for the participants. I think overall, as I said, also it's important to integrate the instruments and in virtual reality and find a way to to get like realistic feedback for when they're playing, but also maybe even like exploring um, some new ways of 
performing and interacting in virtual reality by using like human computer interactions, maybe having virtual reality pedals that could be placed in the environment wherever the musician wanted to be. So that allowed them to, to maybe make them a personalized configuration that could be useful. And I think overall, what's very important also, and probably my colleague Patrick must have mentioned it, is latency. We really need to have like almost instant feedback when we we interact and we do something in virtual reality because um, because that's what happens in real life. And small social interactions will happen in a matter of milliseconds, maybe like hundreds of milliseconds. But so this is very important. This is a crucial part, I think, to, to have on every aspect that's going to be networked, if it's the visual or the audio component, for example. So can we dive into... Um a little bit of an explanation around the tech and how that was all set up and then kind of what elements of the tech did you find aided to uh, the social presence and then what was contributing to the opposite effect? We focus on having um, the minimum equipment as possible, which means I think, unfortunately, right now, we still need to wear a pair of headphones and a virtual reality headset. And with these two components and even probably a microphone for the singer or a DEI connection for any instruments, um, we want to limit, I believe, to the minimum, the amount of equipment the participant has to wear. Uh, This is important because, again, it's all about comfort. I think when a musician performs, they don't have a ton of equipment on them. Unfortunately, with like these virtual reality conditions, we do need a minimum of equipment to create an immersive experience. For example, I ran two pilot tests. One was with um, the MetaQuest 2. One was with the MetaQuest Pro. And the second one, the MetaQuest Pro, allowed track the face expressions of the participants. So this technology really enhanced the same way hand interaction enhanced social interactions, adding facial tracking was really beneficial. And also, the headset was just much more comfortable to wear for a long period of time. And when I'm talking a long period of time, I'm talking about like a usual period of performance, which would be like an hour and a half, something like that. We are getting there. We are having the technology, which is improving. We're getting like more and more smaller devices, like We're talking about like VR glasses or AR glasses now. Um, This is a crucial component we're trying to, I know in my research, I've been trying to to focus on and to compromise between like the quality of tracking and the comfort of the participant. And then it's all about the hardware and how how good a field of view we can get for them to, to see the environment, how accurate are the movements reproduced by the headsets, how many trackers are on the headsets that allow that. And then it's all about trying to understand which part of the new hardware we're using, the new equipment we're using is helping for um, enhancing social presence. So basically we had participants wearing a VR headset for rendering the visuals. The visuals were rendered using a Unity application, 
we had the audio that was rendered through a digital audio workstation with multiple plugins that were used as a ambisonic engine. Uh, so each visual and audio parts were um, separated due to um, power and computer processing issues. Everything was sent over a network using a wireless connection for the visual components and wired con uh, connection for the audio components. We used OSC, Open Sound Control, to send over different type of data, in particular the avatar movement, because the only thing that were updated through different headsets were the avatar movements. And then we used some of the head tracking information from the headset that each participant was wearing in order to update the ambisonic field, um, their own ambisonic uh, scene in the audio engine. The audio was sent between each client using uh, JackTrip. How was the latency? Um, the latency was good. I mean, it, it wasn't impacting the performance. Um, our colleague Patrick really did some amazing work on building a, a good audio engine that would render third order ambisonic scenes in less than 10 to 15 milliseconds, 10 in the best case. And on the visual component, I didn't have the chance to do a very accurate latency measurement, but I believe from what I've tried, we were reaching between 30 to 40 milliseconds latency. This did not impact the interactions in real time. I believe the threshold for, depending on the activity, right? It depends on what the performers, I mean, what the activity is happening in virtual reality, but the latency and the visual latency seems to be less important in a way that we can get away with higher latency than the audio aspect in the case of music performance. We had some comments from the participants about spatial audio, positive comments about spatial audio. Uh, they appreciated the, the, their ability to actually move their head around and have the, um, the sound field evolve in, in adequation of their movement. I don't know if, if that impacted their sense of social presence. I would say that impacted the immersion more, for sure. Uh, at least that's the feedback we had from our participants. I haven't run a proper study for that. But I'm not so sure about social presence. I think social presence is a bit more about realizing that the entity that is moving in my VR headset is actually someone else. This is more to do with the body movement, where I think the avatar, just looking at the avatar, even though they don't look exactly like the person that's supposed to be in this position and wearing the VR headset on the other side, by just looking at the nonverbal behavior, you can actually recognize someone. That's something we've experienced already using uh, very accurate motion tracking in other situations. And we're capable of telling just by looking at the skeleton, oh, this is Anthony, or this is another person. So yeah, I think that's the most important for social presence. But the user experience is more than social presence. It's obviously immersion. It's, it's a sense of flow. It's many other things. 
Anthony, what were the key findings of this study, if you could summarize for us once again? And perhaps what are your plans for future studies? Absolutely. Um, so already uh, through this pilot, this sort of validated my hypothesis that the more body movements we can integrate into the virtual reality avatars, the higher the sense of social presence uh, we're going to get. Um, in this study, we've changed the avatars and integrated more movement than our previous uh, attempts with uh, already six degrees of freedom, body movement and hand tracking. And this all had positive reviews um, from the participants appreciating this, this capability. And as I mentioned, through my current pilot right now that I, I'm running and I'm going to deploy as an experiment soon, uh, we now have integrated facial expressions and eye movements. And we're now to an even higher, well, at least the first results tend to make us think we have an even higher sense of social presence. So... Um, this is what we can learn mainly from this study, from this research, is that um, the more body movement, the higher sense of social presence. However, to get a very accurate reproduction of body movement, we need good tracking technology. Yet, we need a comfortable hardware, we need comfortable equipment for the participants. If we try to use state-of-the-art motion tracking capture suits, um, not going to be able to, well, the, it's, it's going to affect the comfort and the experience of the participants, even though we'll probably get a, a higher sense of social presence. So social presence, I think, mixed with a lot of, as I said, other, other things uh, like immersion um, and other user experience uh, aspects. Overall, the more we can improve the tracking technology at a lower cost of invasion, I would say, the, the better we will be in the future. So what are your thoughts on the future of spatial audio in your field? Um, I believe this is an essential part of the experience of the music in the metaverse. In my opinion, we, we are reaching a point where spatial audio is becoming and I would, I would be able to say, in, in my humble opinion, very good. However, depending on the application we're going to need to build, let's say we, we build, for example, a virtual reality concert and we want to simulate all of the audio outputs from each spectator and each detailed um, reverberation of the virtual reality speakers, for example. Uh, this is obviously going to be very costly in terms of computer power. So I think now it's all about trying to optimize the audio data and the data that we, we need to send over the network. We always need to improve more on what we have. We can always make spatial audio always better, but we're reaching a point where we're getting really good results of reproduction and, and sense of realism from participants. So now we, we need to find a way to, to ship it, let's say, um, to, to different applications and to consumer devices. So what is the best way to find out more about yourself and the work that you're doing? 
Well, um, you can always find more details about the work I've been doing um, in uh, my research paper that is called um, Avatar Representation in Extended Reality Network Music Performance Context. Um, this is a pilot paper that's been uh, published for the AES conference that happened in Huddersfield uh, in 2023. And there will be more work published soon. If you look on the website of the Audio Lab, uh, you will find probably the publications on on my section. And yeah, that's probably about it. What piece of advice could you give that helped you in your career, your journey? These questions usually require me like 10 minutes introspection, you know. Um, in my early and humble career, because I'm still learning and still at the start of it, I would say that passion is the most important thing overall. And passion and discipline. Oh, I got the chance to apply for my PhD during COVID. And this was a good opportunity for me as probably the research interests were higher at this, at this period around virtual reality concerts and opportunities to do music remotely. But any sort of subject as much as it can be a bit, um, in French, we would say farfelu. I'm not sure how to translate that. Um, as wild as it could be, I'd say, if exploited properly, is always very interesting and I think beneficial for society. Um, and that's probably the best lesson I've learned so far in my PhD. I had many times where I believed that my work was useless and very... Not very interesting, but once I really took it seriously, then I realized that this was useful and that other people were interested and other people were working on it. That's all about it, I would say. It's it's really about keeping your head down and, and enjoying what you do to not see the time go through. And, and then you've gained everything, I would say. Anthony, thanks very much for talking to us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure too. Thank you very much, guys. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, please consider becoming a Patreon. Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash immersive audio podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell, and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott. Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit immersiveaudiopodcast.com to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.